Hey, fam. Hi. We're doing that thing I love to do where we take an episode from the Patreon and we drop it in the regular feed. Yeah, F1 of uh, Bad Vegan, yeah. is it? Yeah, fam, this is a whole banana story. Everyone, you wanted us to cover this like for forever. We finally did yeah. all four episodes on the Patreon. So we're dropping episode one here right now. The full four episodes are now live ad-free on Patreon. Yes. Tell people what it's about. All right, it's about a dog named Leon. <laughs> well, it is a little bit. Uh, it's the promise of a dog named Leon living forever because there is a vegan named Sarma, and yeah. she had this like super fancy pants celebrity hotspot vegan restaurant in New York City. Yeah, which I've been to and I talk about. Uh, save your opinions for the okay, totally. <laughs> Um And this like total piece of garbage, scammy monster comes along and kind of blows it all up. Yeah, convinces her that he can make her live forever. They've known each other in past lives. The dog's going to live for forever. And he basically steals all of her money yep. and takes her to Europe a bunch, but it's not any fun. Yeah, and all the employees are super pissed. It's a, whole, yeah. it's a big old mess. It's wild. It's forever. It's like Tinder Swindler, but even crazier. Yeah, there may or may not be Domino's Pizza involved. Oh, I don't know anything about anything. I got to tell you, I've ordered nothing but Domino's since <laughs> we started I haven't. You know, I haven't done it once. Hold on, let me text myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, get your, get your fast pass order. Oh my God. So fam, all four episodes are available right now ad-free on the Patreon. To join the Patreon, you get 350 full ad-free bonus episodes, including this and all the other things That's like right. uh, Serial Season 1, The Staircase, The Vow, Heaven's Gate. That Gacy thing on Peacock. I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Uh, love Fraud, Wild Crime, yeah. Relentless. The Scott Peterson one where maybe he didn't do it. That's right. Which is a, an opinion that's coming back kind of strong these Oh, days. okay. Well, who knows? I don't know anything. So, Again, I don't know anything <laughs> about anything. All right, we love you. Enjoy the app. Okay, bye. All right, bye. So I'm just supposed to do whatever you say and listen to your instructions. And yes. Take- you signed on to this. You told me you wanted happily ever after. If I tell you to take all your money out of the bank and light it on fire... Pure Food and Wine was the top raw vegan restaurant in the world. It was ahead of its time, and it was a high-end, fine-dining vegan experience that was a hotspot. Sarma was the brand, the raw vegan queen. It was such a great environment to work in. If none of this had ever happened, we'd probably still be working there. Sarma was telling me about a guy that she had been talking to online. There were tons of conspiracy theories about why she married him. Was there some sort of blackmail involved? It was just all very mysterious. What if Sarma's running a scam on him? If that was the con. Makes her look like the vegan Bernie Madoff. What happened to you? I gotta tell you, I avoided watching this because I didn't realize, I thought it was going to be kind of boring. Oh. I was like, oh, have you seen Tinder Swindler? Haven't you seen it all? No. But I gotta say, I was working in restaurants at the exact time this was happening. I went to this restaurant. See, I missed all of this, so I'm very excited to be sort of educated by you about what oh this my world God. was like. Are you shocked that I missed the pure no. food wine trend? No. I mean, back in the day, like, everyone talked about this place. It was like, I vaguely knew it was raw food and vegan, but it, like, it had a great wine list. That was the other thing. Yeah, I'm joking a little bit. Of course I knew. <laughs> yeah. But I, this wasn't my, like, ooh, like, the no. Wilson, Owen Wilson's here. Oh, I must go. I've like, got words no. for him me when we too. get there. But my thing about, like, pure food and wine was it was the worst food I've ever had. Tell um, me why. Because it was raw food. And it was like, you would order the cheese plate, but it would be, like, cheese made out of, like, like nuts. Oh, like cashew cheese. Yeah. Yes. You know what that is? There's an amazing restaurant oh, in New York City. Oh, here we go. Called Dirt Candy. No. And I think it does what Pure Food and Wine, what, I think it does what Pure Food and Wine wanted to do. 
do. Uh huh. But Pure anyway. Wine was like one of the hottest restaurants. I, but you this, hated it. I hated it. This woman, I didn't eat a thing. We ordered all this food. I ate none of it. I drank like two bottles of wine. Great. Very, That's how you do it. Very on brand for me. <laughs> Choked down a piece of cashew cheese after two bottles of warm Chardonnay. <laughs> Piping hot. Cashew cheese. Oh, my Lord. So it's episode one. It's called Mr. and Mrs. Fox. I know. So we open with a phone call. This phone call is bananas. Yeah. Have you gotten a call? Well, from anybody about like a about a film that's being made? It sounds like a documentary. No. This can't be a thing. You need to fight this as much as you can. Don't give them interviews. Don't agree to anything. Don't talk to anything. And do anything you can to kill it to make sure it doesn't fucking happen. But it just sounds like it's a thing already. It's like this guy screaming at this girl. I've never seen this before where, like, in the Netflix documentary, they're talking about maybe a Netflix documentary will get made. As the person's already filming the Netflix documentary. Which which is a big reveal. You just hear the phone call at first, and he's like, if they're making a documentary, don't be in a don't. And then it cuts to the studio, and you see her on the phone with him. Because he's like, great, some fucking Netflix documentary now. Jesus (laughs) fucking Christ. And I'm like, can we just pause on that for a second? I know. Think about where we are with documentaries now, that those words could be uttered, and we know exactly what that tone of voice means. Like, oh, Jesus. Yeah, fucking yeah, Christ. Netflix yeah. now? I know. And like, and then like we see this woman who we're going to find out is Sarma. Yeah. She's beautiful. She's like, and she's just been screamed at. And she literally says like, I'd feel bad recording anybody else, but fuck this guy. Because what he says is, look, you know, two things about me. I loved you, whatever the fuck. And you know, you love me. You still love me, whatever the fuck. And uh, I'm not some fucking joker. I'm not someone to be fucked no. with, Sarma. And I, I'm like, wait, is he from Brooklyn? I know he's from Boston, but he's yeah. given a little Tony Soprano with the whatever the fuck, whatever Listen, the fuck. I hope we get so much. I've only seen episode one. I need 100% more of him so we get 100% more of that. We do. Okay, good. I'll see you in episodes two, three, and four. <laughs> two, three, and four. Two, three, and four. Just two, three episodes Two, two three episodes. I used to love you, whatever the fuck. You loved me, whatever the fuck. <laughs> This guy's going to get who got. Oh, my God. So we're in New York City, 2019. We meet Sarma. I can't say her last name. Melangalis. Okay. Why are you better than me at everything? You just rolls right off your tongue. I YouTubed it. Okay. And I wrote it out phonetically. I'm sorry Those are my you. secrets. <laughs> I'm a professional. I showed up prepared. And in my head, I'm like, she'll know how to say it. Melangalis. She'll know how to say it. Yep. Well, we meet her. <laughs> And she spends the first 10 minutes of this thing. Wait, I'm, t- so, I'm sorry. Can we go back? Because there's more impressions of him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go. I'm, I'm, I'm on the fucking edge with this shit. Like, it's been two and a half fucking years, and I'm still bound. And, like, if I get fucking dragged by these people again, it's going to be fucking it's gonna be fucking hellfire from the fucking sky. I'm not dealing, especially that Vanity Fair cocksucker. I'm not going through this again. I'm fucking not. Before the opening credits. Oh, my God. That Vanity God. Fair cocksucker. Oh, I just want somebody to call me that true crime obsessed cocksucker. That true crime obsessed <laughs> cocksucker. I'm not doing it, Patrick. I'm not. You nailed it, weird guy from Boston. Right. So we meet Sarma, and she spends the first 10 minutes of this documentary talking about not answering the question, what happened? Well, get ready. I know. Buckle <laughs> I know. up. There's a lot of, I know. what was I supposed to do? There's a lot of that coming from Sarma. Because they're like, so what happened? And she's like, well, I try to spend most of my day like not ever talking about it and I'm like then why are you here yeah why are you sitting down for the document Sarma look I'm gonna get in a lot of trouble I have a lot of questions I understand you know we did Puppet Master we did Tinder Swindler we do this a lot with the manipulation and the narcissism and I totally get it and I totally hear it 
there's a lot of things I'm not hearing from Sarma, and maybe it's my confusion. Yeah. Maybe it's, as I've been told, my privilege that I have not been in a scam situation yes. like this, that yes. I can't really put myself there. But it feels a little too detached to be like, I don't want to think about what happened. But like, uh-huh. what happened to you also happened to other people because it had a ripple effect, and we have to talk about that a little bit. We do. I don't know what that is. So like, you have yeah. to let me like her a little bit for episode you, one. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. I kind of like her. Because <laughs> you were telling me that she's like, best friends with Sarah Edmondson from the, what's it called? From The Vow. From The Vow. Who... She really looks up to Mark Vicente. <laughs> I, I, I have done a lot of research on Summer yeah. because I want to understand yes. because she doesn't really give a lot here. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, this yeah, little yeah. introduction to be like, well, what am I supposed to say? I don't want to think about it. Look, that it happens throughout and I'm just, I need to understand. I liked Sarah Edmondson until you made all of the valid points as to why I shouldn't. I'm so just gonna. I need you in my life more. <laughs> we need to spend more time together. I've taken a lot of wrong turns I feel like you could have saved me from. Look, in fact, now I'm mad at you. Where have you been? I've been right here. <laughs> I see a couple coming coming around the bend to a couple a couple miles. I'm just I'm here for you. So she says, like, well, no one really knows what happened except for him. Yes. This guy. So we get her backstory. She went to UPenn for economics and she went she, to Wharton Business School. Wharton Business School. Which is impressive if you're into that kind of thing. I guess. That sounds to me like that should be like in the moors of England, but I guess it's not. No, it's in uh UPenn. It's okay, great. <laughs> but I know like Wharton Business School, yeah. everyone goes like, wow. It's a big deal. And like, you know, she's into finance and she gets hired by Bear Stearns. And my, I yes. actually kind of love this because she says, Somebody that I'd worked with said to me, do you really like this work? I mean, is this what you really want to do? And my first thought was, do you like it? I don't, do people like it? He sort of confronted me on that. Nobody else had, had really done that. She'd never taken the time to consider you could actually enjoy what you do for a living. Right. Bear Stearns, by the way, we have them to thank for the subprime mortgage crisis oh, and basically great. like the Great Recession and about 15 oh. million other shitty things that happened. Thank you That's so Bear much. Stearns. Yeah, I know. Thanks, Bear Stearns. Thanks a lot. But like, we learned that she was really into food and wine. And so like, when she quits her job at Bear Stearns, she works there for like a year and a half. She goes to culinary school because she wasn't, as she says, under any financial pressure to get a job. Must be Must nice. Must be nice. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I guess she did what you do at Bear Stearns, which is, like, basically at that time, like, stealing a bunch of people's money. Either that or she comes from money. Like, who knows? But, like, can you imagine the life of, like, not being under any... Like, you live in New York City and you quit your job without a plan? Yeah, I think she came from money. Yeah. And I think she made a lot, which is, you know, good for her. I'm not going to begrudge her that. So, instead of, like, getting a job, she goes to the French Culinary Institute in 1999. Like, that's when she graduates. Yeah. And, like, that's a big deal. Like, that's where, like, all the famous chefs come from. So, she's, like, diving headfirst into this world she wants to know about. Yeah. And then we hear about Matthew Kenny. He owned Commissary, which is a restaurant I remember from like yeah. the early 2000s. I worked in restaurants and you when you work in restaurants, you can't help but be surrounded by some people who are like obsessed with restaurant culture. Yeah. I was not one Did of those people. Did you watch people. The Bear on FX? No, everyone's oh, talking about it. Jeremy Allen White, you have to. I will say they're talking about how it was really authentic because in the back, all the kitchen guys are drinking out of those plastic tubs. And that's true. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. When I was a dishwasher and when like you work in a kitchen, they, they don't drink out of cups. You... They drink out of those like plastic to-go Containers. Move over, Ryan Philippi. I oh. have a new shirtless guy for you. How dare you? Just a little tight for first. That's my baby. Jeremy Allen White, big fan. Oh, my God. Anyway, the point is, this guy, Matthew, was like a big restaurant guy. Right, and Sarma was a fan of his before they even met. I found out that he was writing a book, so I went and met him to interview about working on that cookbook. By the end of the meeting, I had the gig. Matthew and I became a couple pretty quickly. 
She's gorgeous. He's gorgeous. He hires her, and five minutes later, they're dating. Yes. And yeah, that's what you. happens with gorgeous people. Yeah. That happened with you and Steve. <laughs> oh, that's Come on. exactly right. You set me up, and I, I hit it right out of the park. That is a sports <laughs> reference. So they decide we're in love. We're both beautiful, whatever. Yeah. Let's open up a restaurant. That's, <laughs> that's what happened. Like, we're in love. We're both gorgeous. Let's open a restaurant. We have a shit ton of money. Totally. Let's yeah. open. Let's like really like put all our money behind the raw food vegan movement. So enter Jeffrey Chattero. And I was saying to you earlier, yeah. from my time working in restaurants, that's a name you definitely know, especially from this time, like the early 2000s in New York. Yeah. I want to say he was behind like Tao, those yeah. kinds of restaurants. Yeah. He's basically super, super rich. He's a restaurateur. He's yeah. an investor. And yeah. he is going to back them financially, which is huge because it's his name and his money. I really like him in this. And Me he's too. talking about how like, I loved them. I believed in their concept. They wanted to do like a raw vegan restaurant. And he's like, I knew nothing about it. They sounded like they knew what they were doing. I said, let's go. Well, go, 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 go. go, 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 go. <laughs> so they do. They open Pure Food and Wine. And it's like instantly the celebrity hotspot. Because and of as someone, course it is. Because as someone said, they made vegan raw food accessible and not like something weird. Exactly. They were trying to make it sexy rather than hippie or whatever. And they were saying like you couldn't get like high-end vegan food anywhere else any anywhere in the world. Which so is, I get it. I get it too. But like suddenly all the celebrities are going there. Owen Wilson used to just post up in the back and like walk through the kitchen. He's just walking barefoot through the restaurant and ordered a juice and walked out the front door. Giselle walks up to Sarma and then like Tom Brady walks up and I'm like, what is this place? <laughs> like this is so crazy. Let's talk about Owen Wilson for okay, a Okay, all right. Minute. You tell the story and then I've got shit to say. Owen Wilson broke about 38 health code <laughs> violations. Yes, yes. According to one of the people here who I do like, yes. a lot of her employees. Yes. Quote, Owen Wilson used to post up in the back and walk barefoot through the kitchen. That is entitled as fuck and it's a health code violation. He would just walk in, order- like off the street? Off the street and then go into the back, order a juice from the juice guy and then leave. To which I said, Owen Wilson, you don't have to be an asshole right. just because you're a celebrity. Like, what an entitled it's not, fucking It's not move. like part of you. No one's forcing you to be a dick. No. And you know what? No one thought it was cute. Nobody. And then we learned that Giselle and Tom Brady would come in. Barf, barf who, cares? who cares? Woody Harrelson, of course. Woody Harrelson <laughs> is barefoot 24 <laughs> hours a day. I'm sure he was back in the kitchen with the Wilson brothers. I was thinking about this the other day. Woody Harrelson was like the dummy bartender on Cheers, and then he became like the world's biggest action star. How did that happen? But now he does like serious movies. Did you see that movie on HBO Game Change about Sarah Palin? No. He plays Steve Schmidt. He's excellent. Oh, I, he's so good. He was on Will and Grace for a season. Yeah, as like oh, Will's but, play, point. but play Woody Harrelson because yeah, yeah. he's like a hippie always barefoot. He's <laughs> so, playing himself. So, and this is where we learned. I actually loved knowing this. They're saying like the restaurant is just getting busier and busier. The staff loved it. We were definitely like bonded together and we felt like there was purpose behind us. And Sarma was really genuine. We used to call her the Sarmama. Restaurant work is so hard. It's it is so hard. so hard. People are terrible. And it's a thankless job a lot and of And it's the time. thankless. And if you get to go to your restaurant job and you believe in the mission and you're supported by people who like love it too, I can only imagine. It's like what I feel like when I walk into the booth with you. Oh, uh, truly. thanks. I mean, yeah. like, that's what I mean from the bottom of my heart. Yeah. I get to do this thing that I fucking love yeah. with this person that I love. It's like who like cares the same way exactly. and the same Everything amount. is yeah. perfect. So I was very happy to hear that like people who worked at this restaurant got to have that too. That was amazing. Guess what? I'm not going to scam you, girl. 
I, I, got, I got no tricks up my sleeve. I I, this is it. You, this is it. Take we're it or leave it. You true. got it. But the thing about that is people were working there for six, seven years yeah. and like from the beginning and watching it up. And they say like, if this, yeah. the royal this didn't yeah. happen, we'd probably all still be one big happy family. Exactly. Oh God, that's so crazy I to know. think about. So now let's, we're jumping to Los Angeles 2020. We meet Alan Sacklin. That Vanity Fair cock yeah. <laughs> And guy who uses a motorized standing desk. Enough of that. He Enough. also hates Sarma. He hates yeah. her. Oh, he does? He hates her. I couldn't tell if he did or not. Yeah. So this guy, we're meeting this guy in 2020, and he's telling us about the time that he woke up one day and saw like her picture in the paper. Right. Like the vegan ordered pizza and is now arrested, and it's like, oh my God. Right. And he, all he knows is that there's like a story there, and he like used to know her from like the restaurant days. So he's yeah. like, I'm going to reach out to her and see if maybe she'll tell me her story. And he's like, it's more than just the vegan ordering pizza. Like that can't be And it. I don't even know what that is in reference to right. at all. So what we learned, you know, Matthew and Sarma, they were selling raw food, sure. But they were also selling an image. Right. It's like, you can be like stereotypically pretty and yes. skinny and blonde if you eat like us. Exactly. Which I guess you probably can. Like if you're I eating just Yes, but wouldn't you be hungry and cheese? angry? Yes, a million. And frankly, I think they are. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I think there's a way to do it all in moderation is all I'm saying. But, like, we also learned that Sarma and Matthew, the two here, like, their relationship burns out pretty fast. I was always the really careful one with money, and he was much less careful. Matthew Kenny was not a well-respected businessman. There was a lot of word around New York that Matthew was a guy who didn't pay his bills, who stiffed a lot of investors, and was trouble. And I'm like, Sarma, why did you go into business with this guy who everyone in the restaurant industry knew was not someone to go into business with? Because he was so hot. Uh, I guess. (laughs) And I'm sorry, like, I feel like there's not a lot of people where you go to them and you're like, let's open a vegan raw food restaurant, and they're as excited as you are. You know what I mean? Totally. It's a million-dollar idea. (laughs) Totally. But it was. That's the thing. Yeah, and so, like, we learned that, like, they kind of break up, but they... Sarma says we had a very public breakup and I'm like in certain circles and I know I know when it's your breakup it feels like it's on the news 24 hours a day I totally understand that feeling of like something is happening to you and you feel like everyone knows about it and cares about it you're right because she says that like neither one of them left the restaurant and according to Sarma people were just coming in off the street to see if they would have a fight to see the reality show that was also speaking of reality shows what I'm gathering from a lot of this footage because we see a lot of the same footage of Sarma walking around New York City she's wearing a black hoodie and she has like her hair and pigtails. Yeah. And it's just her like kind of walking aimlessly. But there's the Bravo watermark on the bottom. Oh. So I'm thinking that maybe like there was maybe going to be a oh, reality shit. show. I didn't realize that. And maybe it didn't go anywhere because it's all the same footage. And I'm like, it's not her now. No, no, no. Definitely and I'm seeing yeah. watermarks. Yeah. Because that guy Jeffrey's in it. And it's like definitely from a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think, I don't know. Fam, if you don't know, restaurants in New York, it was so it hot. Was a thing. And like 2000 to 2010. Yeah. Like no one went to clubs everyone went to restaurants, restaurants. It was, and restaurants would turn into clubs remember nobu when of nobu course. first was a thing robert was like, de niro and this it was yes, huge like lava was this italian restaurant that would then become a nightclub and then mr chow came over from la there yes. was mr chow i mean it, you know so back to like matthew and summer breaking up jeffrey chattero who was like financing the whole thing gets a call from matthew and he said to me i can't continue to work with sarma so i need you to expel her from the restaurant. Then I got a call from Sarma, who said, this is what happened, you know, you have to figure out what to do. And so 
Jeffrey, who's not only giving his money, but also his name, like yes. to be in business yeah. with him is sort of giving you a lot of street cred. Totally. And he's like, I sided with Sarma. I was yeah. team Sarma. He was like, look, we both went to Wharton. She had a vision. She was good with money. And Matthew didn't have any of those things. And he was like known to not pay his bills and stiff his investors. Like, of course, like your reputation is important, people. Right. And so what Jeffrey does is sort of fascinating. Yeah. He essentially kicks Matthew out of the business. To which he says, I think that shocked him. <laughs> I think it shocked Matthew, too. Look, I don't think Matthew hears no a lot. I was going to say, with a face like that, he's certainly not getting a no from me. And also, like, the chef thing, watch the bear. I'm just saying. <laughs> so he kicks Matthew out of the business. And what he does is he sells Sarma the restaurant for $2 million of debt. Yes. So basically, Sarma has to take care of all of this debt that the restaurant has. And when she's done paying that off, she just owns it free and clear. And something I want to say about Jeffrey Chattero that we learn in this episode is that it wasn't, like, a very strict repayment plan. He believed in her and he believed in the restaurant. It's and a it's dream scenario for and her. very rare that he was like, pay me when you can pay me, but you owe me $2 million. And now also, which is like an insane amount of money. Yeah. But I'm sitting here thinking, it's not a bad deal. Call me crazy. It's a celebrity hotspot. She's a hard worker. She has a vision. All of her employees love her. You put your head down and work hard for a couple years, you can have that $2 million done. And she's wrong? No, and she has said, like, I thought this would be the rest of my life. Like, she's not looking at like a five-year deal. She's like, if it takes me the rest of my life to pay it off, I've never been happier. It's my restaurant. It's everything I want. And that's how it starts, right? Like, she's overwhelmed to be doing this by herself, but she's focused and she's driving up the social media presence. Uh, the Facebook page. The like Facebook back when page. that was the only thing, she's like really working hard on the Facebook. Boy George is tweeting about her. <laughs> so it's like Gwyneth Paltrow, like of course. Scoop. I know. <laughs> but now Alec Baldwin has entered the chat and okay. it's real creepy. All it's right. real creepy. I met Alec Baldwin at the restaurant. We talked a lot on the phone and via email. Sometimes when you meet somebody and you feel like you already knew them, it kind of felt like that with him. My understanding of her relationship with Alec Baldwin was that he was a regular customer at the restaurant and that, like a lot of the gentlemen who went there, he had a bit of a crush on Sarma. The deal with Alec Baldwin is just that, like, he's this super famous guy at the time. He's eating at the restaurant. I guess he's single. Are there, like, youths listening who don't know who Alec Baldwin is? You know, I got to tell you, 1980s, 90s Alec Baldwin is Steve's Ryan Phillippe. Wow. Like, like, no question about it. And Alec Baldwin, I want to go on the record and say I've always liked Alec Baldwin. He read an ad for us. He read an ad for us on his podcast, but, like, this crazy thing with the woman that died. Yeah, with the the gun and everything. It's just so fucking crazy. But anyway, this is a predate. That by this decades. Is the, all, this is the many things can be true column. Totally. This tweet is fucking creepy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he tweets, he goes, When in New York, folks, go to pure food and wine on Irving Place, even if just to stare at Sarma. And here's how no one would have seen it. Because first of all, it was July 26, 2011. Uh-huh. But he adds like the company first and oh, doesn't yeah. put a period in front of it. And totally. I'm like, Alec, only the people who follow all of you are going to see it. Totally. <laughs> Still, don't be, don't say like you want to stare at the owner. And no. it's just, a, it's, I don't like but it. But he was like, like really into her. And we learned that she had a boyfriend at the time. But like they strike up a friendship. And Sarma really wants us to know that they were like best friends. Yeah, they met at the restaurant. They talked on the phone. They emailed a lot. And you get yeah. the sense right away that Alec Baldwin is sort of like the one who got away yes. for Sarma. Yes. Because she felt like they known each other forever I was like or you just feel familiar because he's a celebrity and also like he's rich and famous and he's much older than her and like he's definitely into her even though she has a boyfriend he's making it clear he's like I want someone important in my life yes and she's like oh how about a dog instead why don't you adopt a dog (laughs) and Alex's like I'm sorry what no I know and she's like why don't you adopt a dog and so she's going on all of the dog adoption sites finding these dogs and sending him links to these dogs yeah she falls in love with one of them named Leon 
Yes. GP note. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is the dog that she falls in love yeah. with. Yeah. Leon is totally fine. He's happy and healthy. People oh, that's have been good. asking me to oh. make sure they haven't watched it because they know that Leon's a major part of this. Oh. He's totally fine. He's living his life. I still, I think he has an Instagram. Oh, my God. So before we go any further, I just want to say 1510, Leon is an excellent boy. He's yeah. Great. He's in good shape. So she adopts Leon, immediately breaks up with the boyfriend, and like is running toward, like head first into Alec right. Baldwin. Alec was at the restaurant one night, and Hilario was at another table. He didn't know her. He went over and introduced himself. And so, actually, because of Sarma, Alec did meet his wife. It's just that his wife wasn't actually Sarma. Sarma spends the rest of this episode trying to make connections between her and Alec Baldwin. I and know. I'm like, stop, stop. It's very awkward. And it's like, yeah, no, we talk. And I'm like, you do? Okay. <laughs> but also, like, uh, Hilaria uh, is always pregnant. I feel like they have 20 kids. Do they? Yeah. They have so many baby children. Is the, I don't yeah. know anything about that. why I know all this about Alec Baldwin's life. I don't know I either. I like Alec Baldwin. Okay. So, you know, when this all happens, Sarma isn't doing well. Her restaurant is, like, doing great, but they say she's broken alone. Yeah, the journalist who hates her is like, I mean, She'd go home at night and cuddle with her dog. And I'm like, all right, what are you doing at night? What are your Saturday night dance cards looking like, buddy? Calm like, down. He makes the point that, like, she's not really, like, an outgoing, extroverted person. Right. But that's the role she has to play at the restaurant, and that's exhausting to her. And she was living, like, an Instagram versus reality life. Totally. Her, like, restaurant sarma is yeah. how someone describes her as being like, yeah, like, on social media, it's easy for her to be enthusiastic about it. But, like, making small talk with people at the bar in the restaurant is something that she hates. And I'm what? like... When you're a celebrity hotspot, do you still have to do that small talk at the bar? But I feel like she's kind of the draw. You know what I mean? Right. I feel like you kind of like, we're going to go see Sarma tonight. Right. You know Maybe what I mean? Maybe she'll be there. Exactly. You know? Which is so crazy. I bet she was there when I was there. Like, I just Probably. had no idea. And just, you didn't realize, because she was sort of like unassuming and she didn't want to be noticed. I'm like, how many of the people in this documentary did I meet? I feel like all of them worked there from open to close. And like for years. Yeah. So yeah. who knows? When did you go? Do you remember? Like around, I'm just wondering. It was wondered. before Daisy, but I went with Steve. So I we could probably narrow down the year. Oh, we we got yeah. by the time we finish our coverage, we got three more episodes. I wanted to see if we can maybe nail down like around totally. when, yeah. And then we can we can talk about it. Oh my god! And then we can talk about it in our last episode. That when we both know the timeline and yeah, we yeah, kind of yeah. see where totally. in the story. Yeah, you because were. I, it was when I worked at the W, which was like 2015. <gasps> yeah. So. <laughs> Is that a signature year in the document? It feels like it's okay. around the time. <laughs> I don't know off the top of my head, but I'm just saying. No, it could have been 2015 because that's when Daisy, Daisy was born in 2014. So it was probably like 2013. <gasps> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whatever. I'm sure it's all important. But then Sarma notices that Alec Baldwin is tweeting with someone named Shane Fox. Sarma was telling me about a guy that she had been talking to online that she was pretty excited about. He was somebody that was corresponding with Alec on Twitter. He was funny, and he and Alec had all this back and forth. It just seemed like he and Alec knew each other somehow. Do we get more information on this? It's some a random little. dude named Shane Fox who lives in Massachusetts who, like, calls Alec Baldwin his, like, fairy godfather or whatever. So they're, like, tweeting like they're old friends. Yeah. And I'm like, no, Twitter's weird. Like, Twitter was still pretty new in uh-huh. 2011, but she's very charmed by their exchanges. And their exchanges are, like, Shane drawing stick figure versions of Alec Baldwin saying, yeah. like, Alec is in a plane. I took a screenshot. Okay, great. Alec's in a plane, and it says, USA, Alec Baldwin, certified official not a terrorist. Right. So they're making jokes but this guy Shane and Alec Baldwin is weirdly is, resp- is really engaging yeah. with this person. Yeah. And it really does if yes. you didn't know any better. Also the Twitter handle is you know you want underscore it. Oh god. 
Because you know you want it was already taken. I mean, it's just like back when everyone first got Twitter, it was kind of like you could talk to anybody. And I think- I remember thinking that like Ashton Kutcher would like write me back. But like this guy thought that about Alec Baldwin and Alec Baldwin <laughs> I know, did. I know. Some dreams do come true. I, Ryan Phillippe once restoried me on I Instagram. Know. Remember that during the Broadway show and I, I lost my fucking I was mind? Like, oh my God, he's having a heart attack. We, <laughs> we open up Broadway in two days. What is, I was like, oh, I thank God. I've never been so happy to see Ryan Phillippe. The entire rehearsal stopped. Stop. And everyone. You think we, I'm kidding? I, I was know. like, well, I can't handle oh, another I thing know. to deal with. We got to be on Broadway. How do people do this eight times know. a week? I don't know. Ryan Phillippe knew who I was for 0.3 for seconds 0.3 of his life. Seconds. Oh my God. So Sarma is rationalizing all of this, right? Like, okay, so Leon, the dog she loves, came into her life because of Alec Baldwin. And Sarma, stop Alec it. Alec Baldwin met Hilaria at Pure. Yeah. And so like, why wouldn't she meet someone great because of Alec? Alec right. Baldwin is the center of all the yes. great things in her life. And so Sarma and the Shane Fox guy yeah. start talking online by playing words with friends. That's Scrabble game. Yeah, and the timeline here is very confusing. We don't know how long they're talking, when it was just like connecting on that game app versus texting versus actual phone call. We're just told it's like months. Yeah. You know, Shane was hilarious and he could always make her laugh and he was goofy and funny. And then we get this whole thing about how he presented himself as this big, strong protector. Which she lo- she thought that he looked like the rock. Like he could pick her up in one arm. Uh-huh. And Leon, her big dog, and the other. And uh-huh. that was like a big savior thing. Yeah, this, these are her words. So I met him finally in person at the very end of 2011. He didn't quite look like the pictures that he had sent me. He was a bit heavier. He looked like one of those defensive football players that they're really like strong and muscular, but also like there's extra weight there. So it seemed shallow of me to be judgmental for that. Hasn't the internet been around long enough at this point for her to know better that, like, of course he's going to show up and be some fucking schlubby idiot? No, I guess not. Okay. (laughs) I don't know. I guess it hasn't. She's like, I wanted big, but he was bigger. It's like, now we're going to get into the fucking body shaming of it all. Yeah, and everyone is very careful about how they describe him physically. (laughs) Until they're not. Like, when someone uses the word jolly. Oh, my God. That word has been used to describe me on more than one occasion. Like the, it doesn't mean what you think it means, people. The body, we know what you're trying to say. The body shaming is not okay. And then we get into the gatekeeping a little I bit know. later. Hold yeah, tight. Yeah. <laughs> and someone was like, he flung me around like I was a rag doll. Yeah. And I'm like, what are we doing? I know. But now, worse than that, Sarma is lying to people about, about how who they he is And who he is. So, yeah. one, it's like, oh, we went to school together. Then they're cousins. Yeah. And someone's like, they did not seem like cousins. To which I said, sisters, we're close. <laughs> <laughs> That's a rent joke, you yeah. guys. Speaking of New York. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, like, something is happening because it's, like, she's not into him, but she desperately wants to be into him. And she's bringing him around a lot. And yeah. usually they're used to, like, Matthew the restaurateur and, like, this other guy she was dating or Alec Baldwin, maybe. Yes. And then this guy comes in. And so what they're all saying, and this is where I was like, this sucks. I know exactly what you're going to say. They're just like, he didn't fit in. And, like, he didn't feel like the type. And then they were like, oh, but then we saw his social media. And he, he had 50,000 50, followers. followers. And he interacts with Alec Baldwin? Yeah. Maybe he is allowed in our world. I gotta tell you, like, that's all anyone fucking cares about. It's so... Also, this guy's got more Twitter followers than me. <laughs> Let's get on that. Um, but I was like, look, this guy, Shane, sucks, but, like, the gatekeeping is really disgusting. Yes. And, like, I just didn't... The body shaming and then the gatekeeping, and I'm yeah. like, whoa! But this is what happens when you open a raw vegan restaurant. I'm sorry, raw vegans. <laughs> and, however, like, it is all very mysterious because yeah. Sarma is lying about who he is and how they know each other. Yeah. All of us at the restaurant were asking these questions, like, okay, who is he? And at the same time, I was being friendly with him because he was funny and... I just thought, okay, this is a unique pairing, fine. So, who am I 
going to judge. But it was just all very mysterious. She doesn't know anything about him either. And so, like, she's, like, asking him kind of what he does. We need to have a conversation. Men, women, when you are with a person who tells you that they are working in black ops, they are lying to you. Nobody who works in that job is ever going to tell you about it. Let me tell you. I know someone. This is a true story. I know someone who is in the CIA. Uh Uh-huh. They don't go, Hey, I'm in the CIA, but exactly. I can't tell anybody. There's like, no, he's in the CIA, and that's kind of it. You right. can know what country he's in, sure. but that's kind of but it. that's a legit government job. And he's never once asked me for a fucking penny. Ex- he's right. never asked me for money. Right. And he's never, and I no. know like his wife and his family, and they live on the base, and that's right. a real thing, and he can come home. Like, that's how it is. Right. No one's like, hey, I'm in black ops, and don't tell anyone, and just say we're cut. That's not how it works. No, and it's like, I don't know. This is where I was kind of like the Tinder swindler of it all. And what like, do you mean by that? Well, because it's exactly what happened in Tinder swindler, where he was like very mysterious about what his oh, job my was. enemies and puppet master. Exactly. And it's, it's all about like the military and everyone's super rich and the enemies are kind of, and you're safer if you just marry me. Like that whole thing. Right. And I get that it's new and I get that she was busy and she didn't have time to ask a lot of questions but it also seems like she just didn't also want to know. Yeah, I agree. You and know? another thing is like so we meet Sarma's dad, John. Yeah. You know, I got the impression he was very wealthy. I didn't ask him, so how much money do you have? I tiptoed around the question to asking sort of what his career was, what did he do for a living? And then that's, I got the answer. Okay, it was black ops, and I tried to probe a little bit. Uh, I said, do you mean like Blackwater? And, and they said, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, it's like that. And I'm sorry, like, we've all been alive long enough now to know we got to stop being polite. The first time I meet the guy or girl or whoever that Daisy is dating, and I think they're even the slightest bit fishy, get over here. I'm taking a swab of your DNA. I'm Googling your phone number because I learned in that other thing, you got to Google the phone number, not just of the name. Of course the phone number. You know what I mean? Like, the dad is, like, wants to be nice and, like, gets a sort of weird kind of, like, answer, and that's good enough for him. Right. And then he's, like, telling Sarma things like, I do my job so people like you can sleep at night. That is such an obnoxious, even if it were true. That is such an obnoxious... If your friend in the CIA said that <laughs> no. to you, wouldn't you punch him in the fucking face? He's extended family. But yes, of course, okay, and he right. never would. <laughs> right, exactly. And because not everyone in the CIA... Like, that's not what the CIA does. Like, a lot of them are living in houses and working behind a desk. Right. You know what I mean? It's totally. Not, it's just not like that, and it's so obvious. And, like, at one point, Sarma says that they were sitting in a car, yeah. and he made her wait in the car, and he went in, and he came out later with a bunch of diamonds, and Sarma says, I got the impression that they were from some sort of evidence locker. Because, like, where did you hear that, Sarma? Like, he didn't say that to you. You made that up in your brain and he let you make that up. Or she'll ask a question. He'll be like, I can't talk. He's like yeah. like the godfather. I can't talk. I don't talk about my business or right. whatever. And you're like, like Summer, you have a $2 million <sighs> business that you own and a bunch of people's livelihoods on your hands. And the debt you have to pay by you- this basically angel investor in exactly. every sense of the word. Right. And you like, you can't have the guy who's getting the diamonds and you don't know where they're coming from. Right. Can we just all calm down? We need to s- Can we sit down. calm down? Everyone get your water. <laughs> Everyone right now. Family sip. It's just like not that hard to take a deep breath and like reconsider Consider your choices. I think it's not that hard. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I do think there are circumstances. I do think yeah. there are circumstances. Like if you just in whatever state you're in, if you really think like this is the asshole I deserve or whatever. I understand that there are definitely circumstances where this happens. To me, it feels. Remember, like Puppet Master was sort of like Tinder Swindler. It happened over a period of time. Yes. I'm not feeling that from like words no. with friends, and now he's here, and now he's in the Black Ops. Like maybe this is a poorly made documentary, but I'm not seeing the arc. It feels very instant to me. Because guess what happens next? He asks her for money. Well, that train's never late in your notes. (laughs) I was like, SGB would say that train is never late. He suddenly needed whatever it was, $6,000, $10,000, like right away. He just needed it. It was like life or death. He had to have it. 
And that was, it's my nature to be like, oh, yes, please let me help. <laughs> so, um, so whatever it was, I gave him what he asked for. And, you know, but he does what they all do. He needs money right this minute. And yes. then he creates this sense of urgency. Yeah. And she hands over $10,000. Yeah. And she's like, I was just like a nice, accommodating person. I just gave him whatever he asked for. Right. And, so, and I get it. Like, I mean, if you have the means, that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. So is the $2 million in debt that you need exactly. to be paying. Exactly. And like, and so Sarma's sister's here. And she says, like, Sarma was always, and I mean always, giving money away. Because she's saying, like, what she did for this guy isn't out of character for her. Right. And like, you know, they tell this story about like the older sister went to school in Canada and Sarma comes to visit and there's all these people experiencing homelessness on the street and Sarma's just giving them money left. And the sister's like, you can't just give all your money away. And she's like, why? Right. But like all of this is the setup to meet this guy, Anthony. Yeah. Anthony is awesome. So Anthony, they met on the street. Sarma yeah. and Anthony met on the street. Like Anthony is a man experiencing homelessness. He calls himself homeless. Yes. And so Sarma was really kind to him, spoke to him like a person, took an interest in him. Yeah. And Anthony's here to say like I love her like he would go to pure food and wine and they would have lunch in the garden yeah he would she would keep his clothes for him Anthony is an interesting character to me because he's still living on the street like we go to meet him where he's living yes. on the street I mean I don't know his life there's a story there Anthony chooses not to tell it and that's totally fine yeah but he does tell the time the first time he met this guy Shane the boyfriend the first time I saw Shane he was slumped in a chair in her apartment I said, my usual, you need me, don't hesitate to call me. And he stuck his fat head out and said, she's got me. That's why I'm here. And smiled at me. Didn't introduce himself. I left the apartment with, like, the hairs on the back of my neck standing up, saying, who the fuck was that? Nothing nice about him. Anthony hates him on sight. And remember, Anthony feels a lot of affection and protection over Sarma. Yes. She really came in. She was so nice to him. And he was going to family Thanksgiving at, yes. at the restaurant. Like, really? It's just treating him I like a person. that meal was disgusting. What kind of turkey? As long as they're open on the wine, that's fine. fine. But Anthony tells about the time that he's, like, at Sarma's apartment. And that guy, Shane, is there. Anthony immediately had a bad feeling. He goes, there was nothing nice about him. <laughs> there also, are red flags galore. Anthony's not a guy you fuck with. Anthony no. looks like he knows his way around a good old punch to the nose. Sure. Especially you know with I mean? someone he's really protective over. A hundred percent. just stay in your lane, Shane. Well, yeah. it was a weird rhyme. I didn't like that. <laughs> it felt a little too sing-songy. I don't like it. And then we get this crazy story about how the people who worked in corporate for Pure Food and Wine, they work offsite at a different office. That guy, Shane, the boyfriend, would call all the time. And one time he called and the caller ID comes up with a different name. Anthony Strangest. Yes. And so everyone at the actual restaurant was super suspicious. And then they get this call from corporate being like, so we were suspicious. And also the caller ID said Anthony Strangest. They immediately Google the name. Yeah. His mugshot comes up I and mean. his record comes up. So Shane is Anthony Strangest. And I was like, did they fucking tell Sarma? Yeah. They do. Because they Google <laughs> yeah. him. Yeah. And this guy's a walking red flag. Yes. And like the charges are, it's from a 2005 charge in Florida. It's a domestic dispute with his ex-wife. The grand larceny. He's impersonating an officer. Yeah. They tell Sarma because they've been feeling off about it. And yeah. now this is something they can bring to her. And Sarma kind of gives us like a nothing story of, you know, it's fine. It's something that was in the past. There is a part of you that's like, okay, you know, people make mistakes. You know, I don't really know the story. I don't know what happened. Maybe, you know, this is why he came to New York to help, you know, move past whatever had taken place before. 
And she goes to him, and he explains it away of like, no, I'm in black ops, baby. Like, I've got a bunch of different identities. You'll never know. It's done on purpose. And because it's all supposed to be a secret, yeah. she excuses it with her friends and family and coworkers saying, it's all in the past, yeah. whatever, and really dismisses it. Yeah. So Sarma tells them also, like, I don't really know the real story. Like, I can't explain any further. I just know that everything's fine, and I just, like, need you to trust me on this. But then she quickly, within a couple months, decides she's kind of over this guy because he would come and go. Like, he'd be in her life, but then he'd be, like, away on, like, ops training or whatever. <laughs> and then he'd, like, show up again. So it wasn't consistent. He lived in Boston. She lived here. Right. And what's weird, what is consistent, was that all of her friends and employees, but they were really, like, family to her. Yeah. They were constantly like, girl, something's up with you. Uh-huh. I just want you to know we're here for you. You can talk to us. You're not alone. Whatever you need. Like, yeah. whenever you want to talk about it. It might be a year from now, but, like, something's going on. Yeah. Like, she had a big support system around her. Including her mom. So, like, this guy is gone. She kind of decides she's not into him anymore. And she's not feeling great. And she decides she's going to go stay with her mother in New Hampshire. Right. And then, like, the mom is like, it's been a couple weeks. And the mom has to go on a business trip or something. Right. And Sarma's like any good city person. She's like, I can walk down a city street at 2 in the morning and be fine. But leave me alone in the fucking woods for five minutes. And I'm terrified. Right. Bigfoot is everywhere. Bigfoot, she's Bigfoot everywhere. Is ever- Just be nice and respect everywhere. her. You're in her living room. Okay. You walked into her breakfast nook. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But so, like, Sarma, like, if the mom is leaving, she's leaving, too. But see, now, I'm like, okay, so Shane and, or Anthony, whatever, and Sarma were still in touch. Yeah. And she doesn't explain that. Because she's like, I broke up with him. I didn't want to deal with any of the confusion and all that stuff. And then I went to New Hampshire, and then I got scared of the wilderness. Yeah. And she says, she was like, well, he offered to pick up me and Leon. And like, and and I'm like, but Sarma, so you were broken up, but you were still in touch with him. Of course. And they're not, she's not clear about that. No, and she's like, I really, he was offering to drive me back to the city, and that was really nice, and that felt really comforting to me. And I was like, Sarma, you had 80 friends that just told you that they would do anything they need for you. And you broke up with him because you couldn't deal with the uncertainty and not knowing and the mugshot and the domestic dispute and right. the impersonating an officer. And so she agrees to let him drive her home. And his father drove us back from New Hampshire to New York. I met his father who backed up everything that he said about himself, which was reassuring and then he sort of was able to kind of pull me back in again. What an asshole to be like, I'm going to drive you back and then I'm going to show up with my fucking father. That's a long drive. I know. That's a long drive with this Shane guy. I know. Let alone Shane and his dad, who you know is talking a mile a minute about his war stories. (laughs) Meaning like all the like, oh, when we were in Black Ops, it's all bullshit. But like, are we going to learn, is this really his dad or is this like a paid actor? That I don't know. Oh my God. That I don't know. So the dad is like in on the con? Yeah. What the hell? That's what I'm gathering from this. So they're like back together again. And then like one day out of the clear blue sky, he's like, girl, come meet me at Tiffany. Because what she's- On the fancy floor where they serve the champagne. (laughs) And I'm like, what? is that but Sarma says a lot and this is where I'm just like I need to understand more so maybe it's me but Sarma's saying like I feel so understood by Shane and she's making it sound like no one else believed her understood her and I'm like but your employees and the investors and your family and your friends and celebrities like Alec Baldwin let me say this in working on my book I was going through my journal that I kept the first year that I lived in New York and I there was this guy that I was dating who I really enjoyed but I wasn't into Uh and I really really wanted to be 
really into him. And I would like write these journal entries where I was like, he gets me. We're like so in sync when we're together. And then like the next day I'd be like, oh, I can't stand being around him. I don't even like him. Like why? So I kind of understand where she's coming from. She kind of like needs to have a connection with someone. So she's kind of forcing it. I see. You know? Knowing full well that she has a full support system. Well, is what yeah, you're saying. Totally, but I'm really, right? I, I'm trying yeah, to understand. Yeah. That's what you're saying. That she knows like, well, she could go to her friends, but she, she wants a romantic, her, right. like kind of like, she, and she's trying to force it to happen. I see. Yeah. So yeah, we're at the fancy floor. Yeah. He had me try on a couple of rings. He had me try on a ring that cost $800,000. This salesperson is treating us like royalty and taking us around and like, well, what do you like here? And what do you like here? And I'm like, what are we doing here? Why are we here? And he's like, just, you know, just tell me what you like in here. He's conning her and making her believe that he can afford an $800,000 ring. Now I'm thinking Sarma's the type of person. Yeah who's too cool for school. Yeah. And I think she's made it very clear there were probably conversations that Sarma doesn't even know that she had or doesn't even remember. Yeah. I would never, jewelry's not for me, diamonds uh-huh. aren't for me. Uh-huh. So like, this is why this was not a risk for him. Right. He could offer her something extravagant that he yeah. knew she'd never in a million years take. Because we see her journal where she's like, I don't really get diamonds. Like, I'm not really that into it. Right. And she made that very clear and he picked up on that. Yeah. And this is a perfect way to con somebody yeah. because it's like, holy shit. Like, if I said yes, I could have it but I would never. Right. And then like, then he's having them look at these like townhouses in New York City. This one townhouse on 15th Street that's $15 million and he takes this to the extreme. They get a broker involved. Hey, guess whose broker it was? <laughs> it was Alec Baldwin's broker. <laughs> Another connection. Another connection. But like, they meet with like a bank. They meet with Barclays and like Barclays is chomping at the bit to get this guy because he has like fake documents that show he's got $20 million in the bank. First of all, he's had $22 million in the Cayman Islands. Red flag. <laughs> And like millions and millions in yeah. all these other countries and all this property. Yeah, this banker at Barclays Storm is like, they like laid out the red carpet for us when we got there. They were yeah. offering us all this stuff. And I'm like, how is this possible? And then I'm like, I not know. so fast, me. Because the money never shows up. Of course. And so they don't get the townhouse. The bankers right. are like, er, bye. Yeah. Like, no Can money, you Im- sorry. Like, imagine wasting somebody's time like that. Like, the 20 people in that fucking meeting who spent a whole day listening to this dick. So they don't get the townhouse. And remember, like, Sarma owes $2 million yeah. to this guy, Jeffrey. Yeah. And he's but, barely making her make the payments. Right, which is so kind. He's like, I believed in her. I believed in the restaurant. Pay me when you can. But, like... My thing here is, like, if it were me and, like, I'm hitching my horse to this wagon because he's got the money that I need, I feel like I'd start to be like, but wait, does he? Because the ring didn't happen and the house didn't happen. Right. You know what I mean? This is what I'm saying. Like, because even Storm is like, one thing led to another and he couldn't get the money to show up. At that point, I was kind of generally exhausted from years of feeling like I was going through all kinds of struggles on my own and I didn't have a business partner. For whatever reason, Sarma is convinced that Shane Anthony can take care of all of her debts and she can be taken care of financially, even though they couldn't buy the townhouse. Right, because he's telling her that $2 million you owe that guy, that's nothing. nothing. I can wipe that away, make it go away, be nothing. And don't worry about these bankers, they're all against, you know, the black yeah. ops thing, it's right. super hard, I always got to move my money around, I'm not exactly. like super liquid right now with Ooh, the money. Oh my so... God, <laughs> super liquid, that's, that's our next game bar. You know, <laughs> yeah. But she says they end up getting married because and it happens as fast. 
fast as we're talking about it right now. She's saying, like, I would love to take that $2 million off your hands. Is there a way that I could get that from you tax-free? And somebody's like, if you're married, it's tax-free. She asks an accountant, what is the best way for me financially to accept millions and millions of dollars because I need it for my restaurant and this amazing life with this person? Right. And the accountant's like, well, you could marry the guy. Har, har, har. And she's like, could I? Within 24 hours. And they don't tell anybody. But also, she's not thinking that, like, if you marry him and the money is real, sure, he can give it to you. You marry him, half of what's yours is his. Exactly. That restaurant is now half his. Exactly. You're giving it away. Exactly. And also, he couldn't buy the townhouse. Right. Where is the money? And also, like, just further to that point, it doesn't have to be in cash. It doesn't have to be the $15 million. Of course. You know what I mean? $15 million townhouse. Who? I mean, come right. on. I know. I'm just saying that, like, it could be. Right. So, like, there's lots of red flags that are being missed. Lots. Yeah. And then, so they get married. She's like, yeah, but we had to wait those stupid 24 hours. Right. I'm like, oh, she couldn't wait. For a marriage, but not a gun. She, another time. Uh, please, my another ADHD time. meds. Please give me a break. <laughs> so she cannot wait to get married to get the money. One night I was at the restaurant and Shane texted me that they had gotten married. And it sounded romantic. And on one level, I'm like, well, he sounds excited. And I want to be, but all along it had been like, Sarma, what's, you're not, what is happening? So I think I texted her because I wanted to confirm this. And she confirmed it with zero excitement. So then she's married and doesn't tell anybody. She doesn't tell her parents. There's no celebration. Shane is telling the employees at the restaurant. Sarma isn't. And also she's got this like diamond ring, not the $800,000 one. Of course not. But she's got this other ring that has like dangly bits. And she's using that to put, like she covers her wedding ring with it. And someone asks her, are you covering her own? And she's like, absolutely I am. So it's like a secret marriage that like is very obvious that she's keeping a secret. It's so weird. And then everyone Everyone says, like, they never acted like a couple. And uh-huh. look, you don't have to be hanging all over your person no. all the time. But there's no, like, closeness It's clearly, like, a, quote, business arrangement. Right. And, like, but for what money? Right. Like, I would say, let's look at another apartment. Let's look at the $500,000 exactly. apartment. Let's see exactly. what we can have. Like, to just marry someone for money that you have no real proof is even there. Exactly. Just seems risky. I'm not saying it's... Especially I, when you own a restaurant that he now a, owns half of. It's a bad business decision. You're $2 million in debt. Also, there are celebrities punching each other in the face to be the first one in the door. You could pay off that debt I know. pretty quickly pretty in the grand fast. scheme of things yeah. for a couple years, right? Right. And so, like, one of the benefits to marrying him, he tells oh, her, is that, like, you know, he's in black ops, but now that they're married, like, the military is going to protect her right. from his enemies. And so he's getting your files today. Don't worry about it. He's going to get all your files. And I'm like, files? I know. So Shane, Anthony, whatever, introduces Sarma to this guy named Will Richards. Via the email. Right. And Will is here with us today. Shane and I were working together for years. There's a lot that I can't divulge. I was involved in making sure that Sarma didn't go off the rails. But I was like, wait, is this shit real then? I don't know. And then it ends, of course, with Anthony Strangest did not respond to a request for comment. Shocking. I know. Shocking. <laughs> that Vanity Fair cocksucker. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Sama, I'm not doing it. Can you imagine? Uh, One phone call like that. Click. Bye. Bye. Bam. Oh, thank you so much for listening to episode one of our coverage of what's it called? It's called Bad oh, Vegan. Bad Vegan. <laughs> 
This is episode one. Right, so all four episodes are available right now and ad-free on the Patreon. As you know, fam, it's where you get 350 full ad-free bonus episodes covering all this series from like Netflix and Oxygen and Discovery Plus and Hulu. Yeah, and we realized sort of halfway through this thing, ooh, we had feelings. So if you want to go on this emotional journey with us, please join us, won't you? a lot of yelling and screaming about vegans and pizza and dogs living forever. Yeah, it sounds better when you say it (laughs) compared to what it actually is about. I said pizza. You forgot that the first time. And dogs. Okay, bye. We love you. We love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.